everyone, and welcome to the PhD2B podcast, a podcast where we talk about graduate school. My name is Natalie, and I'm here with my co-host, Dallas. Hi. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about being an older graduate student. But the problem is, is that we're not older graduate students. So we have asked our friend, Natalie, to come on to our podcast and let us uh, interview her and talk about the older graduate student experience. So welcome, Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Hello. We have Natalie and Natalie. (laughs) Yes, we have Natalie and Natalie. Hopefully that doesn't get confusing. I don't think so. (laughs) We're so excited for you to be our first guest. Um, Yeah, I mean, you're like, woohoo, you're so just like, we just love you so much and you're just amazing. And it's truly an honor to have you here and just kind of talk about your experiences. So let's just have a conversation. All right. So Natalie is a PhD student at TCU with us. She's specifically in rhetoric and composition. So she's on my side of the department. Um, But she's in my cohort. Yes, 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 that's true. (laughs) I had to feel cool in some way. (laughs) You are cool. You don't have to prove it. Natalie, tell us a little bit about your sort of what your thing is in rhetoric, what you love to do, what you love to talk about. I want to apologize in advance if there's any background noise. I have a rabbit and he is in my office and he is digging right now. So we'll see how that goes. Tell everybody um, what your rabbit's name is. Oh, <laughs> I have a lion head rabbit and his name is Oliver. And tomorrow he will be seven months old. So yay, happy seven month birthday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so He's very loud, so um, if you hear crazy noises, it's me, and I apologize. We're just going to pretend that that's, like, um, like noises that people press, like, in podcasts and stuff like that. that that's just <laughs> what it is, like little background noises, little, like, sound effects. Yes, there you go. That's the word. That's the word. Sound effects, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so getting back to the subject, um, yes, I'm in rhetoric, and I focus um, focus on critical whiteness studies, community literacies, critical race theory. And whenever I can, I sprinkle pop culture into any of those things. If it, if I can work it in there, because I just, I love that. I love music and I love um, film and TV. And a lot of the themes that I work with are found in those places. So when I can, I try to pop a little bit of that in there. Love that. She does a lot of really cool stuff, y'all. Like, I'm always like, man, I want to be, I want to be cool, just like Natalie. Um, so yeah, she's she does really great work, and it's an honor. We uh did a presentation. Well, we went to Four C's, which is a one of the biggest conferences in the field, and her presentation was just so cool. She talked about like Sex in the City and just like the reboot of Sex in the City. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So, um, she's doing great work. Thank you. So before we get into like the present day, you being a graduate student right now, we'd love if you could give us a little bit of background into your college education before graduate school. Um, where did you go to undergrad? And can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yes. Um, I started my undergrad journey in 1999. So as some of um, my colleagues were like getting out of diapers, maybe. Um, <laughs> starting kindergarten. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, I started at Texas A&M in college station and, whoop, whoop. <laughs> oh yeah, there, there I, had to, I had there's had another to connection. Whoop, 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Aggie over here. Yeah. <laughs> and so I were, I wasn't an English major right off the bat. Um, I started as microbiology. I I, I don't know what I was thinking, honestly, Um, because I had three kids Mm -hmm. when I started college. Also, um, I was actually pregnant with my third daughter when I started undergrad. So I don't know what I was thinking. But then I decided, no, I want to be a philosophy major. Did that for a couple semesters and thought, no, this is not my jam. Then I started working as an, a legal assistant at a law firm there because I thought I was going to law school, which I still thought I was when I graduated, to be honest. But I started taking some English courses and I was like, I'm doing a lot of research and I'm writing a lot of pleading documents for this attorney because it was a really small office. And I realized, hey, writing is really helpful in this whole process. And if I can write really moving pleading documents, I might be a good attorney. So, but then I worked with him and I was like, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. So (laughs) I finished and I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I did start a semester of a master's program. And then I decided, nah, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go work because I had three young kids. It was hard to study. It was hard to do anything. And I was like, I want to make some money. I'm tired of being a student. Mm -hmm. So that was in 2004. I have a question. How old were your um, oldest kiddos at the time? Let's see. Shout out to my kids. Callie. um, She was born in December of 96. So I started in January of 99. So she was like, what is that? Not even three years old. Yeah, not. Yeah. And then Emma was born in April of 98. Okay. And and then Gwyneth was born in May of 99. So Mm -hmm. I started in January. So I was like four or five months pregnant when I started. Okay. And I had her May 8th or no, May 6th. Sorry. My husband's birthday is May 8th. (laughs) Um, I had her May 6th and my first final was May 8th. Oh my goodness. So I left the hospital and I went and sat and it was actually in like a college algebra, algebra final. More power. I just gave birth, but now I got to go do a final. Yeah. My professor was like, you can put it off. And I was like, no, I don't want special treatment. I'm going to do it. And it was the most (laughs) miserable thing. It was worse than childbirth. I was like, this is, what am I thinking? Oh my gosh. When the algebra final is worse, worse than childbirth. Like, (laughs) you know, you you? (laughs) Yes. I love that. Okay, cool. I just was trying to get an idea of like how little they all were. Yeah, very, very, very little. little. Yeah. Yeah. So you decided to go into the workforce and then what happens there? Yeah. Um, I guess I can say the company name. I don't know. I I went to work at Lockheed Martin. So I started in recruiting, which I really liked. It was fun. I got to travel and go to like job fairs and we did a lot of um, university recruiting and that was fun. So did that for a while. Then I used to do bookkeeping also for my attorney. And so they found out I had some like financial kind of skills. So a weird thing about recruiting is you get to know all the hiring managers because they're coming through to interview people. And so we start talking and this one manager she was like 
oh, well, I have this job that would be great for you. And it was like two tiers of a promotion. So I was like, hmm, I really don't want to do project management with money, but sure. And that was how I got onto the F35 program. So that was really fun. I had a secret clearance and it was all fancy. Ooh. Yeah, I did that for a couple of years and then it was like 80 hour weeks and I wasn't loving it because my kids at that point were like middle school and they were doing sports and it was, it was just like a lot. And my husband was starting a business. So we had a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine you'd want to be there for your kids activities and stuff. And yeah. And I would, I would like run there with like, they gave us blackberries because supposedly they're better encrypted than other cell phones or something. So I'd run with my blackberry and my laptop and I would be at like volleyball games and track meets and soccer games. And it was crazy. And so then I was like, I'm going to get this other job, which was another promotion. And it was in communications, but it was like dealing with vendors and like business development people. We put on events when they would come in and that was really fun, but I didn't love my boss and my husband's business was taking off. So I was like, let me come run your business. So I just did that until my youngest graduated from high school And once she went off to college, then I was free. I was like, what do I do with myself? Yeah. So I went back to school. And so what year was that? 2018. Okay. And And that was for your, and that was for your your master's, correct? Yes. And so I went to A&M Commerce for my master's. That's in Galveston? No, it's no. actually in like the city commerce. It's kind of like, oh, <laughs> I think I knew that. I've, there's too many AMs. <laughs> yes. It's like more East Texas, kind okay. of like Greenville. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's literally three hours from where I live. So I did, well, it, but it was during like a lot of it was at COVID towards the end too. Mm-hmm. But most of mine was online. And then like my very last semester, though, we were trying to go back face to face. So I was driving to teach. And then I was, just, I just moved everybody back online. I was like, no, nope. yeah. <laughs> I was like, forget it. I don't it. blame you. That's an, that's not a super fun drive. I'm sure. No, I was, my husband's like, you don't want to do that. And I was like, it'll be fine. It's just for a semester. But I was teaching Monday, Wednesday, Friday too. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Mm-mm. <laughs> it was like three weeks in and I was like, does everybody want to go online? And they were like, yeah. I was like, okay, good. Cause we are. <laughs> yeah. So, um, by the time we post this episode, we're going to have the, one of the episodes going to be released prior to this is about a gap year. Like, what does it mean to take mm-hmm. a gap year? Dallas talks about her experiences. So can we do a little bit of math on? So you said you went back to school in 2018. So when did you like last, like when you graduated, like, and you said you did a semester of master's before like this actual master's. So what year was that? If you can remember. Mm-hmm. I think I finished that in like 2005. 2005. It was like 13 year break. Yeah, 13 year break. Yeah. Um which and is I worked at Lockheed for 10 years and then I held my husband for about 3. Yeah. Yeah. The math checks out. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a long that's a long break from school for sure. For sure. Um were you nervous to like go back to school after having been away from it for so many years or were you kind of like, "No, I got this." nervous at all I guess because I've always just loved being in school like people tease me about that in my family they're just like 
oh, you just go to school forever if you could. And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe if I'm a professor, I can go to school forever and get paid someday. But I wasn't really nervous. I was more nervous about going to TCU because it's TCU (laughs) more than like the actual process of being a PhD student, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what, so you talked about how like you, your youngest was out of high school, went to college and then you were like, what am I going to do with my time? So like what really was the motivating factor that said, you know what, I do want to go back. I mean, obviously you just mentioned that you like school, you know, but how did you know what you wanted to specifically do? What kind of, what kind of influenced, what kind of really pushed you through the doors to actually do that? Well, I've always kind of set a goal for myself from when I was maybe a teenager that I wanted to have a PhD. I never really knew why though. Like, it wasn't like, I'm going to have a PhD so I can do X, Y, and Z. I always just wanted to have it, you know, not like I'm gonna make people call me doctor, but (laughs) I just always thought it was like a really cool thing. Like, I don't know why I didn't really, I didn't even know anybody around me that had PhDs. So maybe that was a motivating factor to be like, look, look what I did, you know, and be proud of myself. But I think at the time when I was like, what do I do? I thought back to like those goals that I had. And I thought, you know, I did. I really loved English. And what I didn't mention was in my undergrad, they had three tracks at A&M you could do. And one was literature, one was creative writing, and one actually was rhetoric. And I was a rhetoric track person back then. I love that. That's interesting because in a previous episode, we talked about how a lot of programs don't have a rec comp for undergrads. For undergrads. So that's really interesting that they had that option. Well, and also it was interesting that they had it, but back then, you know, early 2000, it was all white men canon though. Right. So some of it kind of overlapped things that I had done in philosophy, to be honest, you Mm -hmm. know, because we're like, oh, let's study Cicero and his, or, you know, De Orator and all these things and going back to like the Greek kind of foundations of where rhetoric came from and stuff. And so it was rhetoric, but it wasn't rhetoric as we do today. And there wasn't okay. really thought in it. Like it wasn't like a thing that it was together. Mm-hmm. And I also had a really great professor in speech communications because my husband degree is in speech communications and from A&M. So just to like save our brains, sometimes we'd take classes together. So a lot of, a lot of, even though I did a lot of the work, but that's a different story, but um, there was a lot of stuff in speech. And I think that's why sometimes now I, I gravitate more to retcom instead of retcomp. Yeah. So back when I thought I was going to be an attorney, we took this constitutional law class and I just loved it and so there was like so many weird things that kind of shaped why I thought yeah I want to get back into it and going into my master's you guys probably have talked about this it seems like you just stumble upon things yourself and you figure things out because it's not like oh these are the different areas you can get into and it's more just like here's a plan and just check these off and then you can graduate. And so I'm taking all this Gothic literature, which I love because it's dark and it's like, 
I don't know, moody. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> like American Gothic Southern lit. Like that was my jam. And I was like, randomly took a rhetoric class. I didn't even realize, I don't think that it was rhetoric at the time. And it was like, I graduated in December of 2020. So it was like the summer, a summer class. So it was also super condensed, but we were, I mean, it was right after George Floyd mm. and mm. we really focused on like um, hegemonic systems and like all this. And I was like, Whoa, what is all this? And it like flipped a switch with me. Whoa. I was like, this is where I need to be. And it was the first time I'd ever read anything about critical race theory. Um, so that's kind of what made me say, yeah, I have to keep going now because this is what I want to do. So it's really amazing. I feel like we all three kind of have a similar thing where we all just kind of stumbled upon what we liked during our MA programs, which is so funny because we've talked about it before, just like kind of needing that MA program, the two years ish that it takes to get a master's is kind of like giving you that wiggle room to kind of explore because you're still like figuring out like what is grad school and then you're kind of like what do I like I don't know now you know because you get such a broad range in undergrad that you don't you don't get as much of that in grad school but that's kind of where you stumble upon what you like totally by accident half the time so that's kind of funny right and you I think like I get angry about it I'm like why why are we not like mentored more where we can like figure these things out? But it seems like everybody has the same story. Like, yeah, well, I stumbled on this and I'm like, okay, well, it's working, but is it <laughs> really like the best way to go about it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you graduated in December, 2020. And so you started at TCU in fall 2021. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. That's right. So you just took a little semester off, obviously, because of the academic year didn't start till the fall. So you graduated in December of 2020. And so you started at TCU in fall 2021. So obviously you had like a semester off because the academic year doesn't start till the fall. So let us know like a little bit of insight. So you obviously said that like you discovered rhetoric, you kind of wanted to keep going. What was sort of your um, process in applying for first, like, um, submitting your applications, what schools you wanted to go to. Is there anything that you have to say about that? Cause that's like, obviously a very tedious process. Yeah. Um, and did you defend your dissertation or dissertation? Did you defend your thesis in that same fall semester that you graduated? Okay. I've got two interesting stories for you for both of those questions. Love it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll start with the thesis since that, well, they're kind of simultaneous, but so the lady, it's kind of like, I guess it's set up the same way at most schools. It's like, there's the director of graduate studies who kind of is like over everything, but I didn't really, I didn't have a, like a mentor mentor. Um, I ended up like kind of gravitating toward this wonderful, wonderful professor, Dr. Jessica Palchek. Love her. She's now at Boston college. So I don't ever see her, but, um, she was kind of like helpful, but she was like, well, you have to do like all of your requirements through your DGS. Well, she had gotten super sick. Like I want to say the spring before I was supposed to graduate. So I'm like emailing her and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to sign up for this, the thesis hours and all this and that. And she's like, well, 
you know, most people don't care if you do a thesis. So we have an option where you can do 36 hours instead and just basically do comp exam. And she was like, and I just recommend that. And I don't know if it was because she honestly felt that way or if she just didn't want to be bothered with dealing with thesis stuff because I think she had cancer. Like she was very oh. sick, right? And I even felt bad. I'm like, why is somebody not stepping in for this woman? But yeah, so I never had a thesis. So I was in a course, like we signed up for a course and it's three hours and it's for the comp exam. And basically I had to do, I always forget what they're called, but it's like, um, it's a, a bibliography, but it's the kind, oh, what is it called? Bibliography? No, I think it starts with an E. It's like you write like a bunch of, it's almost like a lit review type thing, but it's a bibliography. Like, I don't know. I'll have to look it up and see what I it's don't called. Know, friend. But it's like 30 or 40 pages. Oh, wow. Okay. And you just mm-hmm. pick like your focus subject and you like basically do this huge, maybe starts with an M. It's coming to me. I'll, I'll think of it before we're done. Yeah. But, um, like somebody did one on mouse. Mm. And so that was like what we were given as a template. Like this is a wonderful example of it. So make yours look like this. And then we were just like kind of pushed off to the side. Well, she ended up getting super sick. And this was my last semester, really sick of my last semester. So a different professor came in like a month before we were done, had no idea what we were doing. I just, defended over zoom with her like and walked her through it and it was like the worst closing experience of my master's because I felt like I wasn't quite sure if I'd done it right I didn't but I wanted to know how to do it because they were like yeah this is something that people actually do in the field I've never heard of it since but I was like really lost and so that was not very helpful for me so It also gives me a lot of apprehension going into like comps in PhD studies because I've I've never really defended anything for real. So like putting these things together, defending those and then thinking of a dissertation, it's like so many other people have the experience of writing that thesis and defending it. And I don't have that. So I'm kind of sad about that, but I'll figure it out. (laughs) But yeah, so I had a weird experience where I don't know anybody else who didn't do a master's thesis. I didn't do one. Oh, you did it? Mm-mm. Mine was a portfolio. I did have the defense experience, but I didn't do a thesis. Because I was I done do, with literature. Yeah, I didn't do a traditional thesis. Mine was article length, so it was like 45 pages. Okay, well, now I feel better, guys. So feel don't feel bad. <laughs> Look at don't us. Don't feel bad. I, I'm pretty sure, like, if I tried to submit the thesis I submitted – to A&M for TCU, they would have been like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to look up what this thing is called. Oh, maybe I can find it. I want y'all to know what I did. Yeah, that's really unique. I've never yeah. heard anybody do anything like that. I think, oh, I don't have my folder in the office with me. Oh, Oliver's trying to crawl, crawl up my left. Oh, he wants to be a part of the podcast. Oliver. I talk about his <laughs> graduate school goals. He's just mad because he always steals my office chair and I'm in it. Uh, so he's going to get an honorary doctorate just because of you. <laughs> exactly. 
So I guess, so I guess Natalie's kind of like second part to this, well, she asked it first and then I tacked on the thesis question is like, how was it applying to PhD programs like amidst all your like final semester of your MA? Okay. So I kept in touch with a professor from my undergrad and he was just, I don't know, he was a lit guy, but he was just really fun. And he was always like brutally honest about things. And so I was like, I'm going to reach out to him and just tell him, hey, I'm finally getting a PhD and like all these things. And we were emailing back and forth and he was like, oh, the job market is just ridiculous. And like, it's hard to get in grad school now with COVID finishing. Like everybody's just going to grad school. And he's like, I'm not trying to like scare you or anything. And I'm like, well, you are. So I panicked. And I applied to 29 schools. Oh, oh my gosh. goodness, friend. That's a world lot. record right there. Yeah. Because I was like terrified that I wasn't yeah. going to get in anywhere. Oh my and goodness. So, and you did that while like doing your whole final project. <laughs> wow. That's and really I impressive, teaching, actually. I was teaching and at Commerce, we had to teach two classes. Oh. So I was teaching two classes. And let's see, that was the fall. So I was teaching comp one. I, after I graduated, I adjunct and I taught comp two, but yeah, so I was teaching two sections. I was taking three classes because it was my first semester to teach there. So I had to take their TCC. So I was taking TCC and then my two, like my comp class and then another class. And so I'm like freaking out. I have this whole big spreadsheet and I have like reach schools And then I have like ones I feel okay about. And then I have like my safety schools. So is it reach school like a dream, like a dream school? Okay. Like Penn State, Ohio State. Oh, I applied to like schools like that where I was, I didn't know they, I've never heard anybody call them like a reach school before. That's new to me. Yeah. Had had quite a bunch of those, honestly, because I was like, you just never know. You never know. He says, shoot your shot. And I was. Yeah. And I made zero of those, but you know. I tried. Who cares? So I ended up getting five acceptances. And Out of so, 29? Yeah. I was like, dang. Okay. It only takes one friend. <laughs> no. And I was like, and I had it narrowed down to like three of those five. Mm-hmm. But one was Florida State and I just couldn't see myself going to Florida. I just, it's just too far. Yeah. So, but everybody was saying how great of a program it was. And I was like, I don't think I can do it for five years. And so my husband was like, but you applied to places farther away, but like Penn State is like where my family is. So at least I wouldn't have felt so alone there, but you know, so I had it narrowed down to Florida State, um, OU and TCU. I also got into Oklahoma State and I got into UNT. Fun. Okay. I didn't know Asia Martinez was there at the time. I entered, like I had some kind of weird Zoom with two other people. But when I found out Carmen was at TCU, I was like, oh, you picked the perfect school for what you're doing, with, especially with Carmen. Yeah, I was like, she was the reason I applied to TCU when, because Jessica that I'd mentioned before, she was like, I, I just loved her. And when I read stuff, it was in Jessica's class. And I was like, she's just so bad. But and she was like, well, she's at TCU. And I was like, no, she's in New York. And she's like, not anymore. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. How long has Dr. Hey. Kennard been at TCU? 2018 2018 okay so not not terribly long yeah 
And I even went to OU and I visited, like I went to Norman and I looked around, I looked at apartments and I was like, you know, but then TCU offered like 6,000 more a year and you only had to teach one class and Carmen was here and I was like, I don't have to move. Like it just made sense. So it was a stressful thing, but I mean, I think it all worked out. If you would have wanted to move away and go to one of these further away schools, would your husband have moved with you or would he have stayed? No, he would have stayed because he has his own business and, you know, like everything Mm -hmm. is here. And even like his family is here. He grew up like 15 minutes from where we live. Yeah. That was why it was like, OU was kind of like as far as I would go. Cause I think it was like three hours one way. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I also have a little grandson that came in 2018. And so I was like, I don't know, how long can I be away from him? It's usually not but more than like four or five days. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's so cute. Thank you. Yeah, he's like always here. So I can't imagine how that would have worked. I probably would have had like an emotional breakdown because, you know, the stress of grad school is hard enough. And then to really feel isolated, like. I bet it's hard when your family is and you come here and you're just like kind of like by yourself. Like, thankfully, I don't have to worry about that, but um, that would be really stressful. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, So like everything you've sort of shared up to this point, it sounds like you've always just been a very like a non-traditional student. Like I feel like that's what's been your experience as undergrad and a graduate student. Um, do you feel like being a non-traditional student has had more of an impact, had more of an impact when you were an undergrad versus a graduate student? It's like, obviously it's still like the same, but in different ways. How do you feel like that's been different? Yeah, it ha- it's been a little different because with like undergrad, I was the same age as everybody pretty much. Um, because I graduated, like high school was 96. So I'd only taken a couple years off. So I was roughly about the same age as everyone. So it was just like, I wasn't going to parties and doing all that stuff. I was going home. So I, I didn't really get the whole normal college experience of like hanging out and, you know, all that. But at the same time, it's like, if I would have had that freedom at that age and not had kids, I wouldn't have graduated. I know, I know me. I would not have graduated. (laughs) So I kind of feel like everything kind of happened for a reason there. Like I was given those kids to make sure that I like handled my business, I guess. (laughs) I love that. that. They motivated you. Yeah. I was like, no, I can't go out tonight. I mean, I have to feed my kids. (laughs) So it, I wasn't sad about it really. Like it, it didn't really bother me either. Like it didn't, it wasn't a thing for me because I was like, I'm married, I'm happy, I'm doing my thing. So it didn't really feel like I was excluded where I know a lot of people that are non-traditional for different reasons. Sometimes they feel like it's a bad experience, but I didn't have that. Good. And I'd rather I feel- hang out with my with my kids and my husband than going party. Like if I had the option, you know, Yeah, but maybe that's like- just me. If I was married with kids, I'd be like, well, I already have what I I'm looking for like I'm good I'm just gonna go to school I don't need to be out here (laughs) yeah yeah and then I think for me with grad school I don't know that because the field's so different 
I don't know if I would have kept going like where I would have ended up. I don't know if I would have like found my way into this stuff as it came out. Um, But I also feel like, I don't know if it's the same in other fields, but I feel like, especially with what I do, I feel like my age is beneficial because I've had a lot of life experience. And so I've seen like for long periods of time, like how systems work and how hierarchies are built. And so like me versus somebody who like came straight out of undergrad and is doing like the, the MA PhD program, like they've basically gone from their house to college to here. Well, you know, like, right. Really haven't had the life experience to understand. I feel like, like some of the theories and why they're built for social justice specifically. Um, so in what I do, I feel like the years are a plus. I love that. That makes sense. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think, you know, like being in the workforce, raising a family, just being out in the real world and seeing all of what that encompasses and what that looks like is really helpful. Cause you know, whenever you go from like school to school, like from school straight to school, sometimes you just are so sucked into the world of of the university that you kind of are not as you're not participating as much in like outside things outside of that sometimes. So I think that, I think it is helpful that you had that experience. Yeah. Especially if you're blessed enough to be in a situation where your parents are still paying for everything, like right, a yeah. lot of people are, it's like, okay, well, you've never even really had to work doing this experience. So it's, I think it's hard for a lot of people to like get out of that childhood phase and like really get into like adulting and like see what the real world's like and so being in it for so long it's like I know all about that (laughs) right yeah I love that I mean yeah I think that's really valuable to your studies I guess next question that we could ask is was is there anything that like you worried about when it came to being an older graduate student I mean I'm has there been anything that has given you maybe some sort of struggles because of the age gap. I mean, you know, obviously you've had a lot more experience, but, and it's kind of kept you away from education, but you know, so on and so forth. Like, is there anything that you feel like maybe it's kind of been a little bit of a struggle or maybe something that you worried about that ended up really not working or or something like that? Hmm, That's a good question. I didn't really worry about anything, but I guess I wouldn't say worry, but you, I guess whenever you, you do know that you're like, I'm walking into this thing and I'm probably a good 15 years older than most of these students are going to be. It's not so much that like, oh, are they going to be mean or, you know, like what, Mm -hmm. it's just like, if they have like groups or they do these kind of things, well, I feel weird in them. But I think one thing about me is that like, especially with my girls, I'm their mom. Yeah. But they don't treat me like that, I guess. Like, I don't want to say I'm a cool mom because that's really lame. No, you are a cool mom. Not a regular (laughs) mom. I'm a cool mom. That's you. And it's like, they want me to go out with them. We we want to go out and have wine and we want to go to like festivals and do all these fun things because I'm just like, I like to do fun things. And so I feel like there's a part of me that's not that I'm rejecting my age but that I don't really 
worry about it so much. Like I just do what I want to do and have fun. So I feel like because I stay hip (laughs) in some areas. No, you're so hip. That I can like relate to things and like, oh yeah, I watch TikTok, whatever, you know, but, um, because I've made a lot of really good friendships and there's only one other person in the program that's my age, which, and she's really cool, but she had her kids a lot later in life. And so her kids are young. And so we're still the same age, but we're like in totally different circumstances, which is Mm -hmm. also an interesting kind of thing to think about because there's professors who are my age or younger who have young kids too. And I don't have that anymore. So in some ways I feel older, but I also feel more free. So it's a weird dynamic. It's a very unique experience. I think it's like the reason why we wanted to bring you onto the podcast. Cause I mean, you are literally experiencing that. And I think it's, it's, it's just so fun to hear that. And I'm really happy that you feel like you're welcome. I mean, you know, obviously I feel like, especially me being an older graduate student to you, not by age, but just by the way that, you know, the program, when I started the program, um, I mean, it's, we've grown, like, you know, like there's been so much greatness in our relationship and it's just been so fun to have you there. And, um, yeah, I'm really just happy to, to hear that you've had like a great experience. Yeah. And y'all, Natalie is hip. She's super (laughs) cool. She knows all the good, like new music. She went, you went to the, uh, Post Malone concert. I did. I'm trying to go to Little Wayne in May, but those tickets are ridiculously expensive. Really? Wow. God bless. I saw that man for free when I was in undergrad. I lucked out on that one. But she is so cool. And I will say the first time I met you was at our orientation. And I would have never guessed you had three grown daughters, you know, so you don't even you know, you don't present yourself in a way that feels like older. Like I would have never guessed until like you told me like, oh yeah, I've got three grown kids. I would have been like, what? You know, so um, I feel like you just present yourself in a way that's like way more, like, I don't feel like scared to go talk to somebody, you know, you know, at least for me, I still feel like I'm 12 most days. So I have trouble (laughs) approaching adults sometimes, even though I am an adult, but I guess I like older adults that I feel like have their lives together more than me. And so, but like, I don't feel that way with you. Like you feel very much like just a friend you know, I, I'm like, I can go talk to Natalie. Like, it's fine. Um, but if I was approaching, like, I don't know, somebody else, it probably wouldn't feel the same way to me. So I think like, I'm hope, I hope that when I, when I say that, like, I feel like we've been really welcoming towards you, but I feel like you've been welcoming towards us as well. Like kind of hanging out with us, uh, quote unquote, younger, you know, folk and everything, because I would imagine, you know, I wouldn't blame an older person not wanting to hang out with all the 20 something year olds so but we love you I always have a good time it's always fun and I don't know I think that I we have another good friend that might come on your podcast sometime named Maria and and she's so funny because she's always like she's made some comment to me one time about because I think I'm like her mom's age and she made some comment to me about that or whatever. And she's like, but I can't tell my mom the stuff that I tell you. Yeah. And like, I can't have a drink with my mom. You know, and it was just so funny. And <laughs> I was just like, I was like, okay, well, I'm not your mom. Maybe that's why. Yeah. She's <laughs> but, so cute. I guess you feel more like older sister. Yeah. I think 
that's kind of how I feel like because my sister, my actual sister is 33. So, you know, yeah. closer to y'all's age. <laughs> yeah. 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 What would you say to those who are interested in returning to graduate school after having a long gap? Well, I would say, first of all, I would just say do it because there's always going to be a reason that no matter how old you are, that you talk yourself out of something that you think is going to be tough or maybe unpleasant, uncomfortable, because we fear the unknown so much more than we like have courage in ourselves. So I would say do it there was a part of me that was worried about how I would fit into a private, primarily white institution, granted what I was trying to study. And so sometimes I say, try to check the places out first, but like TCU is so much greater than I could have ever imagined by like doing research on it. So you really don't know until you get in, but there's always good people everywhere and I feel like there's people you just, you'll know that they're not your people and just do your thing and just hang with the ones that love you and just stick with it. Beautiful. I love that. Is there anything else you'd want to add? Anything you'd like to say um, about your experiences, um, things that you wish you would have known before being a grad student, or maybe just some general advice to get through? I mean, I know you're kind of still in the middle of it. You're about to finish up your uh, second year. So you're you're getting close to that halfway point. Is there anything you'd like to just bring up or, or say or any piece of advice? Maybe two things that I feel like I've learned the hard way because nobody really tells you. One is that when I was deciding where to go, they always tell you like when you're writing your letters to identify people you want to work with. And a lot of times you're just on the website, unless you know someone's there and you're like, oh, maybe I could work with them or whatever. And you put them on there. I knew I wanted to work with Dr. Kennard, who says, call us, call me Carmen. So I want everybody to know I'm not being disrespectful. Um, So once I knew I wanted to work with Carmen, I had a a friend say, you know what, try to Zoom with her and see if you connect because yeah, you might want to work with her, but you two might not get along. Like you might not vibe. And so we Zoomed for like an hour and a half, two hours, the first time we ever talked. And she was very, anybody who knows Carmen, she was very real with me. I asked her questions and she didn't like, jump around them she was like this is what it is and we clicked and so it made me know and feel confident in my decision so if anyone gets the opportunity and they really think they want to work with somebody before you sign papers try to like chat with them for real that's really good advice yeah I would have not have done it if someone wouldn't have suggested it and yeah I was nervous and I was like she's not gonna want to talk to me who am I you know and now knowing how busy this woman is, I cannot believe she took that much time out. So it was really cool. So I highly recommend that. And the other thing is like my whole first year, especially my first semester, I felt really unsure of what I should do, like as far as classes. And I think it's kind of a universal thing that like DGSs do this, but they're 
they don't have time to like learn you and learn what you want to do and what your interests are. And so a lot of the work needs to be on you really to like go through and find out like, who is this professor? How do they teach? Is it something I can really use? And if you don't have a choice and you have to fill your schedule, make the assignments work for you because I did not do that my first semester. And I feel like I wasted two out of three of my courses when now everything I do is like, I could present that at a conference. I can make that a paper. I can do something with it. And I just didn't do that. Like I I wasn't sure enough of myself to say, I don't want to take that class or, oh, he's expecting me to do X, Y, Z. And then I write a paper that I don't believe in. I don't care about. And I'm going to throw away. So be your own activist for sure. That is such a Natalie piece of advice. <laughs> and for anyone who is listening and you're maybe like, what is a DGS? It's a it's the director of graduate studies. So they kind of act as like advisor um, for the grad students. I just wanted to put that out there because when I was applying to MA programs, I would have never known what a DGS was. So. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to like throw that out there. But yeah, um, but yes, be your own activist. What a great like ending note for our little interview here. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for being here and just answering all of our questions and then just giving us insight into your personal experience. That's obviously going to go a long way with our listeners. And so we're we're super excited that you you were on the podcast. No, and our first guest, what an honor. I know, seriously. Like I'm so flattered, so honored. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Dallas, anything anything else before we close up? Oh, I'm going to finish with um, Natalie. Um, not Natalie. My Natalie. Natalie. Natalie, we just interviewed. Also has her own podcast called Culture and Composition. And we will put a, um, a link to it in our show notes. And we will put it in our Instagram as well when we make the post. So be on the lookout for that and give Natalie some love. Thank you. Do you want to let us know a little bit about or let our audience know a little bit about what your podcast is about? Yeah, um, I started it, I want to say last summer um, when I had some free time and then my time got kind of cut short. And so as you do in life, you prioritize things and the fun things sometimes get taken away. So Um, I think I have like nine or 10 episodes and I need to pick it back up. But my general idea was I wanted to talk about some of the issues that I research about, especially as they come up in like pop culture, like I mentioned earlier. Um, Sometimes I bring in guests, though, and we get way off subject and we just talk about like an episode of the Kardashians. We do not rhetorically analyze that, but sometimes your brain needs a break. So we do a lot of different things. And I need to get these guys on my podcast and some of my other colleagues and we can talk about fun stuff and school stuff. But um, yeah, it's just a good time. So come listen when you- Is it, is it on all platforms? Or? Right now it's on Spotify. Um, I know that there's a way that I can put it in other places. I just haven't done it yet. So I will try to do that soon. We can teach you well, how to do that. Yep. And for now, lunch yeah, and lunch. And- but for sure, be on the. We'll link the Spotify um, for the for your podcast for our listeners too. Thank you, thank you so much for being here, Natalie. We Yay. had so much fun just learning about. We learned so much about you that I I, I didn't know about your undergrad experience. Yeah, Yay. that was really fun. fun. 
we'll have to do it again and talk about all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, we'll have yes. you on. Yeah, we'll have you on for another topic and and uh, giving us your insight into into. There's so much to talk about with graduate school that I'm sure we can have you here multiple multiple times. So yes, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have any questions or any uh, topics that you want us to cover, just email us at the PhD to be podcast at gmail.com and follow our Instagram at the PhD to be podcast. Natalie, what's your Instagram for your podcast? I think it's culture and composition. It's at culture and composition. Okay. We'll link it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Alrighty. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye.